I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome back to episode 278. I said welcome back because this is a continuation of episode 277. Hope you're enjoying our discussion on the best thrash metal bands of all time, our favorite thrash metal bands of all time, however you want to look at it. If you didn't get to vote, if you have a problem with the order, if bands were not metal, if the, or excuse me, if they weren't thrash, if they weren't thrash enough, so on and so forth, Become a patron. Join us for our next discussion. You could do so for as little as two bucks a month. It's a lot of fun. If you're enjoying this conversation, this is the kind of stuff that we have every day on Patreon with all of the various patrons. I mean, obviously, we're not talking the way that we are here, uh, but with the banter that we have back and forth with all the videos that I post, and it's normally three videos per day, and people chime in on whether they like it, whether they don't like it whether they want to include it on the patron playlist. So there you go. A lot of cool stuff going on over there and would love to have you there for the discussion, for the atmosphere that we have going on there. It's troll free. It's nothing but hard rock and metal lovers talking about the bands they love, the albums they love the great musical memories that we all have. And for those that are, you know, aren't as old as I am, almost 50, um, forming new musical memories. I have it with my kids all the time where we're listening to certain things and they'll ask me, you know, who the band is, different things about them, you know, so on and so forth before they go out and dive on in the rabbit hole and figure out what they like or what they don't like about the band. So there you go. We're all music lovers at the end. We all love all the, all the stuff that we're talking about here. And I mean, I hope that you do too. If not, why else would you be listening to this episode and to the Mars Attacks podcast? I thank you for listening to it. I hope that you join us for the next discussion. Would be great. But uh, here we go. We're going to count down all the way up to number six. And then the last episode will be. Numbers five through one. So there's a lot of cool stuff that we touch upon, a lot of things that have been argued about over the years. And uh, hopefully we can set some of you straight. <laughs> Seriously. Just hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, tell all your friends about this. Anyone that's looking to check out a different podcast, tell them to, uh, to check this one out. If they've listened to it in the past and have jumped off, come to come back. Um, with this real quickly, just doing this for, for the podcast, uh, because it is, this is our number two. This is the second episode that we're getting out of this. Um, the patron discussion on the 
best thrash bands of all time. Um, if you're listening to this and you don't agree with, with this list and you didn't vote, become a patron. Vote next time around. That's all I can say. Because the, the masses have, have spoken, at least the masses within uh, this group. And uh, we'll see if you guys agree or not. But real quickly here, um, because this is kind of like a Discovery Channel thing where we're going to be repeating things a lot. Uh, but I don't want to beat this to death, but uh, here we go. 30 was Municipal Waste, 29, Life of Agony, 28, Destruction, 27, Typo Negative, 26, uh, Ink, which was Ed, what was the... Uh, Indestructible Noise Command. There you go. I keep forgetting Indestructible. I want to say Irrational for some reason. Um, <laughs> 25, uh, Corrosion of Conformity, 24. Vicious Rumors, 23, Nuclear Assault, 22, Sodom, 21, Creator, the one that most people seem to have an issue with, being here, 20, Guar, 19, MOD, 18, Power Trip, 17, Gravedigger, 16, Nevermore, and 15, is a band that several people voted for. And everyone who voted for this band said, I voted for this band thanks to you turning me on to them. Um, the band, it surprised me. They're at 15. Surprised me that they got this high, but it's, it's awesome that they did. Uh, band out of Spain, Angelus Apatrida. Uh, Ed, I know you voted for them and that was kind of your sentiment. Uh, so I wanted you to real quickly mention something about them. Yeah, that band is awesome. Of course, I've never heard of them until you told me about them, what, in January. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to that new album nonstop. It never gets old from the first riff at the beginning of the album to the very last. Every song mm -hmm. is on my favorites list. And, uh, I mean, to me, uh, you told me that the vocalist also does guitar work. Yes. Man, I mean, those guys, it's just, he's like a Dave Mustaine of riffs that keep you, uh, interested in the song all the way to the end. And they're really good about, you know, layering and, uh, building the intensity of that song all the way to the end and their mm -hmm. guitar solos are as enjoyable as listening to, uh, you know, Megadeth guitarists play. They're very creative. He pulls you into the solo. And even if you're not really paying attention, when he starts playing that guitar solo, it grabs your attention and you listen to what he's playing. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing band. And so I've started listening to some of their earlier records and I'm finding those to be just as good as this new one. Th this band is, is hot. I hope they continue on. I'm going to order the uh, vinyl for that last release from Amazon here pretty soon. Cool. Yeah, they're they're making the rounds uh, on the festivals. They are. I forget where they're playing now. They were in Hellfest last week and uh, Grass Pop. They're playing um, uh, Barcelona Rock Fest tomorrow. They're playing Resurrection Festival, I believe, on Sunday, or I may have it mixed up. They may be there today and playing. Barcelona Rock Fest tomorrow, but they're they've been all over Europe since um, the latter half of June. 
Um, I've always said to them, why haven't you guys made the jump to the States? And, and they, they are. What, what's They're that? Coming. They're, They're coming. coming. Oh, they are. Okay. I did not know that. There's, there's a festival coming up and they're going to make the trip across they've advertised. Okay. That's, that's awesome. Um, where, where in the States do you know? Now. Okay. I will, I will look that up, but, uh, it's something that I've been talking about them for, for quite a while. Uh, it's interesting because within Spain, there is nothing worse than a Spanish metal fan who, uh, they take for granted the homegrown product. You know, it's funny because I've had this discussion with people in the past where they've said, oh, you know, I don't like them because they get too much press. And I'm like, well, you realize they're from here, right? You know, who do you, who should who should get more press than them at this point in time? And I would get people tell me, well, Warbringer's a much better band than them. No way. Um, they and, deserve and, all the press they can get. Yeah, well, and that that's the thing. When it's a homegrown band, you know, you, you expect them to be in the magazines a lot more or to be like on national shows and things like that. Um, this last album was uh, number one on the charts here. Uh, they beat out Foo Fighters, nice. um, who ended up getting number three. And it was a week where there were a few other like pop acts that were expected to uh, chart higher than they did. But they got the number one spot. It's their first number one here. And they've been consistently in the top 10 with their releases, but I was happy for them. Yeah. Go heavy metal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, so that's, that's awesome. I'm glad that they got to 15 and um, we'll see. I, I do think that like you've said, Ed, all of their albums um, are strong um they they aren't all the same either i mean obviously their first two albums sound a lot alike but it was because that was you know like like most bands you maybe write your first two albums at the same time and mm -hmm. then once you start to kind of spread your wings you start to evolve but uh anyway uh so that's our 15 number 14 is Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, good band. Yeah, a band that also um, really started out as a straight-up thrash band over the years has kind of um, done a lot of different things because I think by the time that I really got to know them uh, was an album called Quattro, which came out in the beginning of the 90s, where um, although they were still a thrash band they were kind of going in the direction that a lot of other bands were going in and i don't i don't want to say that they're going in like a grunge direction but they weren't a straight up thrash band they were just kind of a straight up metal band at that point in time as the 90s went on they did start to incorporate other things if you look at an album like um shit it just slipped my mind the album that has smoked out i think it's called empty maybe um, they started incorporating some, uh, like we mentioned about creator before they started incorporating some industrial stuff into their music, but I don't think it was as over the top as what like creator was doing, or, or maybe if we get to, um, 
Oh shit! What's the uh, death metal band that got shit on in the in the nineties uh, for in um for what a change in sound? Yeah, that just started incorporating a lot of industrial stuff. I'm I'm trying to think Morbid of their Angel did that. I think Morbid Angel. There you go. Thank you. Who really like made a lot of their uh, uh, their audience go away <laughs> because yeah. of it. Um, all right. So Dan is saying that it is Chicago open air in September. That's awesome. I will, uh, I haven't been in contact with the band as much as I have in the past, but, um, that is awesome. But anyway, Flotsam, anyone want to speak to, uh, to Flotsam and their, um, and their longevity or their catalog or, or their thrash? Any takers? <laughs> That's old Jason Newstead's band. Yep. Doomsday yeah, for Fever he played on, No Place for Disgrace. Yeah, the, those those first two albums are classic, or those two albums that you identified are classic. And yeah. we've got them going. Their latest album was really good too. Their press and the media, not so good of how they're behaving. But <laughs> if you look outside of that, um, they're a great band. They're uh still trying to break it open though. But yeah. Yeah, I have to say that their last two albums I've listened to quite a bit, and I think that they've done some interesting stuff in the sense that um, they had Jason Bittner there for the one album. They have Ken Mary in the band now, um, where there's still a lot of that thrash stuff, um, but they've really incorporated a lot of like melodies and like, stuff that probably influenced them initially that they hadn't done for a long period of time. Like you listen to songs uh, off of the previous album, like recover or something like that. You know, that it's a huge chorus with just a huge melody that to me anyway, really just gets stuck in my head. And they, they've got a lot of songs like that where if you think about it, I think that a lot of extreme bands went away from a lot of like the, um, the melodic leanings or these big anthemic choruses for a long time. And a lot of these bands have started to, to bring that stuff back uh, in recent years. So I think that's, that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not surprised that they're within the, uh, the top 14 at this point. Uh, I think that we, we need to start thinking uh, as each, as each band is mentioned are they as important better or worse than creator because <laughs> again that was that was the band that most people had an issue with not being uh higher um 13 a band that a lot of people could argue that they were the originators of thrash it is exodus but a, a band that probably didn't rank higher because of um, similar to what you guys said about Sodom. I never got into Exodus as much as I probably would have because I could never get into Zetro's vocals. There yeah. was just something there with um, his vocals that I love the music, but it would always, uh, and again, in my area, Toxic Waltz got played to death i don't um, want to hear that song again yeah and it's one of these things where i would listen to that chorus 
And, you know, I know that there are a lot of Zetro fans. Obviously, they wouldn't have gotten this high. Uh, they He wouldn't be spoken of in, you know, in the same league as other people. But I don't think he's in the league of a lot of people that he's compared to. That I listen to a lot of his singing, and it just reminds me of somebody nagging. I'm sorry. That's just my whole thing yeah. with Zetro. It's kind of got that goblin vocal sound yeah. to it to me. Yeah, but still, man, this band is awesome. And in spite yeah. of that, especially when Rob Dukes was around, boy, did they put so, out some killer records that I just I still listen to all the time today. And um, that la- that record from 2013, Blood In, Blood Out, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite Exodus records. And I'm, I so wish they hadn't gotten rid of rid of uh, Rob. Yes. They got rid of him like right before they really, I think he maybe even recorded vocals for it and they redid it. Yeah. That's Because one of the best songs of all thrash metal is on that record called Numb. Okay. And uh, man, I just, yeah, too bad that Rob wasn't on there. I agree with you 100%. When Dukes came into the band, I finally said, this is the guy that fits this sound. With Rob's vocals, see, here's the thing. I mentioned about melody and everything else before. Rob has a certain approach to his vocals where he didn't really use clean vocals in Exodus as much as maybe he does in Generation Kill now, but there was still a melodic aspect to what he was doing in his delivery. So those songs came across a different way. When, as you're saying, when they let him go and I started hearing stuff off of that, all I could think of was like, fuck, Dukes was the perfect guy for this. You know, mm-hmm. these songs were at another level with him. And unfortunately, it comes back to this nostalgia factor that people are, are stuck in. You know, it's just one of these things where. I mean, I, I don't get it. If you bring someone in who is as good or better than the original guy and takes a band in a different direction. I mean, it's not as if they brought someone in who couldn't do the material, you know, I just, I, I don't understand it. Um, obviously their musicianship has always been off the charts. Um, and they've done everything possible to make sure that their claim to fame wasn't like flotsam, (laughs) the band that Kirk Hammett came from, you know, (laughs) it's, it's asterisks. But it isn't like the biggest known thing about the band where Flotsam, unfortunately, will go down as the band that Jason came from as as their biggest claim to fame, unfortunately. Um, Anyone else have something to say about uh, Exodus? Well, Gary Hall, amazing. It's funny you're talking about the vocalist because it was Paul's vocals put me off initially, you know, when Blinded by Blood came out, we didn't get the same attention as the other albums mm-hmm. of, you know, the other albums came out at the same time because his vocals really rubbed me up the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I listened to it again recently, like as an adult <laughs> and, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the vocals. I was thinking, you know, why did this put me off so much when I was 16, you know? But right. um, 
that's a such a great album. I really I like it better now than I did back in the day. Yeah, I, it's I interesting think- you say that because the re-recorded "Bonded by Bud" is I think is even better than the original. Yeah, but I think Anthony, to your point, I think we've also, whereas when we were listening to a lot of that stuff early on, I think it has a lot to do with what I mentioned before, where we were going from a place of a maiden, a priest, the, those types of vocals, where Exodus, probably out of all those bands, had the quote unquote worst vocalist because it was something that wasn't still fitting that mold because Joey Belladonna had his thing and Dave Mustaine had his thing and uh, Hetfield had his thing. And even though they were different flavors, they were still closer to what we were used to, you know, where I think that like gruffer side of things just wasn't, wasn't the thing yet. And over the years, you know, as our musical listening evolves, and our ear evolved and maybe we started listening to other things or we got used to hearing certain things, you go back and you appreciate it more. I think that's, that's easy for me to see because there's a lot of bands that I couldn't get into initially because of that. Mm-hmm. And Exodus. I've tried a million times. I just still can't <laughs> do it. I can't, I still can't do Zetro's vocals, unfortunately. So. You know what? Uh, well, I agree. I agree with you about that. Zetros, but they, I never warmed them. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking about uh, yeah, Paul Bale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Agreed. <laughs> awesome. So that's Exodus at 13. And just before you move in to the next one, if you watch the documentary Murder in the Front Row, mm-hmm. that's excellent to tell you all about Exodus and mm-hmm. the singers. Next. Awesome. At 12, another band that I would consider a lot like Flotsam, but they don't have the claim to fame of having uh, Jason Newstead in their band. Um, I'm surprised that this band ranked as high as they did, but obviously a lot of people like them. Metal Church. Yeah. A, a band that you know, if you really think about it back then, a lot of these bands that we're talking about, you know, I we obviously there wasn't that commercial success or that commercial boom that a lot of these bands had um, who essentially had that boom. If you really want to analyze it in the 90s is where a lot of these bands really took off from a money and popularity standpoint and based on what they did the decade before that. By that time. You know, Metal Church, um, they went away for a few years. And I think that that probably coincided with with that. There was also several lead singer changes as well, which is also the hardest thing for a band to do, unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason. And um, yeah, so they're in at number 12. Um, Anyone want to speak about Metal Church? Yes. Go ahead, Johan. I love Metal Church. <laughs> Me too. Would would you put them above Creator? Yes. Um, um I know what to say, but their second album, what's it called? 
the dark the dark yeah the, yeah, yeah. is uh, is a fantastic album which i recommend to all of you if you haven't heard it recently uh, such a fantastic uh, album from that era uh, and the song uh, what the shield when pray Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's great song. It's uh, they were, I don't know in U.S. but here in Europe they were on the roll in uh, in the late in the Europe. I don't know Europe, but in Sweden they were on the roll in the you know from eighty six to forward. Uh, I don't. It's a great band, and uh, Kurt Vanderhoff, the guitarist, is—he's uh, not a genius, but that's a great—he's uh, a great player, and and uh, I think they deserve uh, a more a place in the spotlight. I really do. So, Metal Church, great band. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, looking at their discography here. And I guess the gap wasn't as big as what I thought it was, but there, I mean, uh, there was like a six year gap in the nineties. And then from there, like a five year gap in the two thousands. And then since then they've been pretty consistent with albums. Mm. There've been a few gaps here and there, but, uh, their last few albums have all gotten rave reviews when they've come out. I mean, since I've started podcasting, they've put out, three albums and they've all been albums that a lot of people have talked about. So I guess that goes to show, you know, uh, that they've had staying power. Well, their first two records are legendary. They should be in every heavy metal fans record collection. Right. And uh, I fortunately got to see them play too, 35 years ago this month opening for anthrax. And uh, you know, of all the memories you know, they, the, your memories start to fade and go away, but that's one show I do remember specifically watching Metal Church up close. Great band. Yeah, with the death of Mike Howe, it seems I think they've lost all their motive to go forward. I don't yeah. think they've considered filling, refilling or what to do. And it seemed like, you know, Mike Howe would speak about it in his lyrics of his frustration with the industry, and he would say it out loud that, he was frustrated, so and he killed himself. So, great band. They deserve to be where they're at. They do. Yeah, they and just David Wayne was uh, the first early singer, and David died of a medical complication, and that was a sad thing. Uh, he was on the rise. So they're just a band dealing with tragedies, in my in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and they've had a lot of people in and out that have um, been notable people. <laughs> you know, even the other lead singer they had, Ronnie Monroe, um, mm. is is a guy that's also been held up there and talked about quite a bit over the years. They had Jeff Plate, who was in Sabotage for some time in the band as well. Um, and just the whole thing surrounding Mike. I mean, I don't know if if it if what happened uh completely um came out or not um i know that there were rumors about 
medical issues. There were rumors about bills. There were rumors that, you know, with COVID going on, that there were things that had happened as well. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure what ended up happening there. It's just sad overall. Um, I don't know. It would be awesome if they could continue, but like you're saying, I mean, he seemed like he came back to the band and really like took over as being like not only the mouthpiece, but really the focal point. And he seemed, I mean, when you saw interviews, he seemed like he was in a really good place all the time. So I think that's why it shocked a lot of people um, that, that he ended up committing suicide. So uh, a shame. Uh, a quick hello to my brother in the chat uh, who's saying hello all. And uh, let's see here. Number 11. A band that I got to see live many, many moons ago, being able to interview their lead singer at the end of 2019 was one of the biggest thrills for me because um, I've always loved this band from the second that I got to hear a song that actually came on random in the car yesterday. The song is called Surf Nicaragua. The band is Sacred Reich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great band. Um, I I was thrilled that they released Awakening a few years ago. Uh, again, a band that I always, when Big Four was talked about and people would say, well, who would your next four be? I would always say, well, Sacred Reich would be in that group for me because I think that they've always put out consistently good material. Unfortunately, they've only got four full lengths to show for it. Um but uh, yeah, talk about taking a, a long time between albums is 20 some odd years between Heal and between Awakening. Um, Jeremy, you just mentioned uh, that you enjoy them. Um, yep. any, any, anything else you want to mention about them? Yeah, I just think that they're quite a melodic band, aren't they? They're not the sort of very typical, arch-typical, archetypal um uh, thrash band you know they've got that melody and they've got the the choruses um you you actually turned me on to them and i'd never really heard them before and then sort of a few years ago i i bought um i bought awakening um and it's a it's a tremendous album it, it's 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 something where you don't need to put 12 songs 15 songs on an album there's only what there's eight, there's eight songs on there and mm -hmm. that's all you need you know, if you put on eight songs that are killer songs, that's all you need on an album. Um, I really like them, and I, I love some of the older stuff that they've done as well. Uh, I'd love to see them live. I've never seen them. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely worthy of being in the, in, you know, where they are in the, in the list. Yeah, I think they've always shown that they've never been scared to try different things. Just look at the American way. There's a song called 31 Flavors, which sounds like more, more like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song, like an early Red Hot Chili Peppers song than a thrash song. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, to, to who they are. I mean, you, you dig in deep to the band. You, you go beyond the political message that they try selling. Um, they're hugely influenced by a lot of things that you would never expect. Phil Rind is huge into Motown and stuff like that. And early chili peppers. Um, Dave McLean, who is their drummer, who was in machine head for quite a few years, 
always wearing Kiss t-shirts. Um, today he released a cover of him doing Iron Maiden's um, Genghis Khan, actually, uh, which was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I've always thought that they've been a, a good band and glad that they're back. Hope that they put out more new music. Um, but uh, we'll see. Anyone else want to mention anything about Sacred? All right. We are moving on now to the top 10. Um, real quickly here, Angela Sapatrida, 15, 14, Flotsman Jetsam, 13, Exodus, 12, Metal Church, 11, Sacred Reich. Johan, you still feel that Creator should be above any of these? I think we all do. <laughs> awesome. At uh, number 10. I had to, I only had time to do this for the uh, top ten, but uh, here we go. Number ten, Pantera, a band that people would argue are more of a groove metal band. I think is what most people would consider them more than anything. Um, I can see why they would be considered thrash to some people. Although I don't think that it's a pure thrash band. Um, if you think about a song like Fucking Hostile, it's more of crossover thrash. Um, if you want to consider that thrash. Ed, as being the uh, thrash connoisseur that you are, would you consider Pantera thrash? Uh, as a Pantera connoisseur, no. Uh, <laughs> I love, love, love Pantera. I just, I've right. listened to millions of hours worth of Dimebag Daryl. And, uh, but yeah, that's not thrash. But they're one of those bands, though, that took all the elements that we loved in our favorite genres of metal and put it in a particular package. Right. So they, uh, they're holding hands with every genre. So I understand why people get confused and put them on that list. Uh, but yeah, respectfully, they're they're wrong about that. Crash <laughs> metal, yeah. Excellent. Anyone else want to uh, mention anything about Pantera? I know Dan, you're a huge fan of Phil Anselmo. Me too. <laughs> I say that sarcastically, Ed. Oh. Yeah, sar Yeah, yeah. In independently, he's not a good dude. But um, I think they're ten because they're dead. Um, because there's no new music. I, if they were still alive and doing what they were doing, they'd be higher. So they're dropping down now. Um, thankfully, fortunately, I was able to see them from the beginning. Not uh, from the beginning. Well, actually, I have their early, early album with the guy from Lord Tracy and all that. So I, I used to be really big into them. Um, I got to see them from, from the Cowboys tour all the way up through the arenas. So... I didn't know what I was getting myself into to be able to see them in a small club with all the stage diving and all that nonsense going on to, <laughs> to realize what was happening. You know, took it for granted that Dime would be around forever. Just, you know, took it that they would always be around. Then that whole struggle thing with Phil acting the way he did and the band not continuing and, and all that was frustrating. And, and the 
I, I was, you know, I lived that moment and they should have been the greatest too. So that's what I'd have to say about that. Hearing you say that, um, I actually was supposed to see them with Sacred Reich opening up at the Roseland in New York. And the there was overbooking for that show, for lack of a better term. And when we got to the gate, uh, we were supposed to have four tickets. We got there and there were two and there were three of us. So um, the one person that went with us was like, oh, you know, I'll wait for you guys outside. And like in the middle of New York, we won't find you when when uh, when we get back out. Now nah, I guess we're all going to be missing out on this show. So I got all- to see them in on their Vulgar tour. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was in Louisville. And when we went in, they had seats in the lower arena. And uh, when it came time for the show, everybody just picked those seats up and tossed them to the side. And we didn't have anything to do with those chairs. It was, it was a great show. And I got to walk up and stand in front of that big wall of speakers while uh, Dimebag was, you know, playing all my favorite riffs. And, oh, it was wonderful. That, that's funny. You, you tell someone in Europe that they have seats at a concert. Uh-huh. And, and you want to see people have like a, an amazed look on their face. What are you talking about? You know, because most shows, 99.9% are general admission, like in the States. You either have the open floor, and if you're in a place big enough, you could have a balcony. Or you could have seats all the way in the back or around the sides. But the floor is wide open. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I'm, I've gone to maybe one show here where there's seating, but uh, that's because it was donated for a specific uh, event. But um, And at yo- that show, they played one of their more thrash metal songs off the Cowboys record, Heresy, which is one of my favorite Pantera songs, where you have that riff jam right in the middle <laughs> and uh, Vinny just pounding away on that double bass drum. And, uh, yeah, I got to stand in front of those speakers while they pounded away on that. That was great. Johan, go ahead. I've seen uh, Pantera many times, but the first time I saw them were in 1990 or 89, opening up for uh, Judas Priest on the Painkiller Tour. Uh, And they, uh, you know, Pantera, they... It was Pantera, Annihilator, and Judas Priest. And Pantera, nice. Pantera stole the whole show. <laughs> it was amazing. I had never seen uh, at that time anything like that. Uh, it was a game changer. So uh, a couple of years, you know, from that time up until around 95, Pantera was probably in my opinion, one of the best live acts that you can see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because I do think that the band did change a lot of things for a lot of bands within the genre. I mean, once Vinnie Paul kind of honed in his, specifically his bass drum sound, his kick drum sound, everyone and their mother in the metal community started wanting to have that specific sound they were using his the same types of beaters the same types of uh drum heads you know to to try to sound like vinnie paul i mean they definitely changed the game and they were a band 
who for that time period that you mentioned, Johan, weren't ashamed to fly the metal flag. You know, they went out with bands like Anthrax and Slayer and stuff like that to open up for them. They were playing arenas and they were having bands that 10 years earlier were opening doors for a lot of bands opening up for them. They had Morbid Angel on one tour. I remember it was, I think, Morbid Angel, Slayer and Pantera. Um, So. And Dan, you're I think you're 100 percent on the money. If they were still around. Could be that they would be even higher because of, you know, the freshness of of, you know, for us, they're a big deal. But for younger kids and whatnot, it probably is starting to diminish, you know, whereas for us, it was, you know, again, a flag bearer at at one point. So go ahead, Dan. So I I knew of Pantera before Cowboys, not to say I'm great or anything, but there was an (laughs) album before that called Power Metal which they don't want to talk about. And on the last track on the album is a song called PST 88 that we were young, 15 year old, 16 year old geek kids. And it's sung by dime and it's the stupidest nonsense, but it's the bitchinest coolest track ever that should be cranked up over and over. Um, Power metal album doesn't get enough attention. It's because it doesn't have those drums yet. It doesn't have, but it's so almost there, you know, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah. Unfortunately, from what I've heard until the, I guess, their father still has rights over what happens with the music at this point in time. And they didn't want that released for whatever reason. And until the father's gone, that stuff will not be reissued. And at that point, I don't know if Rita or whatever would have a say. In, um, if you need, if you need a copy, I, I have it. Power <laughs> trip, yeah, it's a good one. Pussy cool. tight tonight. All right, that's what. That's all the. It's the coolest track. Look it up. PST eighty eight. Number times. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this Number- is dime doing his thing. It's awesome. Was was a sign of the times. That's for sure. Um, number nine, a band that I've seen several times in, in concert have almost always stolen the festival when I've seen them. Suicidal Tendencies is number nine, a band that, I mean, like a DRI, which you mentioned before, Ed, um, I, I think Suicidal was was bigger than than uh, DRI, obviously. Um, so I think they're given the credit for being the crossover thrash band, you know, because of the popularity. But there were so many things that they incorporated in their music that bands were scared of doing before them, whether it's, you know, uh, punk, whether it's hardcore, whether it's adding Robert Trujillo in, and you know, playing, um, uh, b- playing with his, with his thumb shit. I forget the name of the actual term now. Um, but playing funky bass <laughs> as opposed to just playing with a pick or just playing with your fingers. They always seem to, uh, to be evolving. And I know the one album where a lot of my fans jumped off the bandwagon is one that I really love 
uh, is the art of rebellion where they had the balls to add acoustic guitars to what they were doing. And it wasn't that they were trying to go <clears throat> unplugged or grunge or anything. They were adding like another element to what they were doing. They had electric guitar with acoustic guitar and with Robert Trujillo doing his madness on bass. So um, uh, anyone want to mention anything about Suicidal? Very fun. Um, loved them. Was, uh, I was unsure whether I could vote for them or not in the trash. <laughs> but um, yeah, great. Love them. Okay. Awesome. Go ahead, Ed. I, I love Suicidal Tendency, that self-titled record, and Join the Army. Pretty much everything they've done has been good. And uh, it was it was fun to hear them playing with Dave Lombardo, too. Yeah. Enjoy some of those tracks. That made it interesting. Uh, and them, you know, again, they're not really thrash metal, but their relationship to all that music um, gives them the uh, credibility to be on the list. Right. Yeah, they've also gone out on a lot of... Um... Uh, tours with a lot of the the bands that appear on on this list and as as you mentioned with Lombardo yeah Lombardo just has a certain feel to his playing and a certain power that whatever band he's in you could tell that's Dave Lombardo mm-hmm. so and that's uh suicidal for life if I'm not mistaken is that the album uh Dan yeah this one I guess people shit on that uh the ra- the label didn't like it um, cause they, all the song, not all of them, but a lot of them have the word fuck in it. Um, <laughs> they felt that, that it was too much. Um, but I dig it. I, I, I have the whole catalog. I love suicidal. I love everything about the, their stage show, um, stage presence. It's great. So in other words, you have no fucking problem at all. <laughs> exactly. You know it. No fucking problem. <laughs> You're suicidal for life. It's uh, it's it's just angry. I like it. Yeah. Dan, did you see them play with Dave Lombardo on that tour? Or- Not yet. No. Yeah. Before, back in the day, with Rocky and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I I got to see them right before Dave came in. Uh, Steve Bruner was the guy that was playing with them. Just at that time, he was like four hundred something pounds. This huge black dude. He was just enormous. And he was playing stuff where you were like, what the hell is he doing? I have to credit Mike Muir because regardless what lineup he's had in that band, all of the musicians that he's had have been super talented players. Always. And they've always been able to pull off the old material. Um, and now even um, I watched the performance from Hellfest. I watched it with my wife last week. And they had uh, Ty Trujillo playing, Robert's son, awesome. who's 18, 19 years old now. Just so cool. And just the band still does their thing before Pledge Your Allegiance. Just fill the stage up with fans um, and just go on and play. So uh, awesome. I. Absolutely love them. Number eight. 
Sepultura. Yeah. A band that I once had Gene Hoagland tell me when he was talking about the album Arise, tell me how he felt that they were one of the most overhyped bands because no. he felt that they only followed trends and were never original, was what he said. And he mentioned his thing was that Roots, which ended up being their biggest album, was just them trying to sound like corn. So um, whether that's true or not, I think after moving to Spain, when I moved to Spain, all the metal bands I was checking out when I first came over here were either heavily influenced by Sepultura, by Machine Head, or a or Caius. I mean, those were the three big bands that every band that I saw, they sounded like one of these three bands. So for those reasons, I do think that Sepultura deserves their place on this list. Um, I know that there are people that are really, you know, lean towards, you know, the, the early era of the band there are people that won't listen to anything that Derek has done in the band, which to me, I think is a shame because I do think that they've done a lot of really cool stuff. I think Andreas is probably the most unsung guitarist in maybe if not thrash metal, but one of the most unsung guitarists in metal in general, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for a lot of the stuff that he does. Uh, just my opinion. But, um, yeah, what do you guys think about Sepultura? Anyone? <laughs> Johan, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry for speaking so much. Uh, no, that's why I love, we're here. Yeah, I love Sepultura. Uh, they were uh, back in the early 90s here in Europe, at least, huge. Uh, I bought the album Arise and uh, fell in love with them. Uh, and then uh, I went to Roskilde Festival in 94, and they have, uh, or 95, I can't remember, they have a release Chaos AD. Uh, and uh, I went for the show, and it was an absolute war in front of the stage. <laughs> One of the most, you know, it was absolute chaos. People were stage diving and there were people flying everywhere. And I remembered reading, reading an interview with them that they always go out after the show to speak with the fans. So I flopped over. I was in front of the stage. So I went over and I went back in the day in Roskilde. You can go to the side of the stage and wait. So I did. And after the show, the whole band came out. Uh, so I went, you know, they were the nicest guys. So I, I waited and they all came out except for the drummer. Uh, and we went out and had a beer together. With, <laughs> you know, Sepultura back in 19, you know, they were a big band then, but they were so, yeah, come on, let's go have a beer. Nothing special. So we talked, perhaps five minutes, and then I, bye-bye, and then uh, the drummer came. And I spoke to him, let's have a beer. And I spoke to him. So 
I have a, a nicest memory of the band. Uh, uh, so for me, that's a great band. And nice guys. And I've seen them with Derek, and I've seen Soulfly after that. Uh, like, like it all. Very good. Very good band. Nice guys. Yeah. Very cool. Anyone else? I agree. I love Sepultura, especially the Beneath the Remains, KSID, and Arise. Uh, they, they lost me there in the 90s, but uh, I like all their new stuff since that what how do you say it what was alex a dash lex whatever from that point on i've enjoyed them ever since great band yeah the the other cool thing too that i again i said that about andreas but if you guys haven't seen their drummer eloy play just a fucking ridiculous player i mean just seeing him play and i've I haven't heard one person ever say to me, oh, I wish Igor was back in the band. This guy is just so good, and he plays everything on such a small kit to top it off. I mean, it's just full of energy. He just broke his leg like two months ago, and he's back playing with them. And wow. he was saying, I think his first show, um, it may have been Hellfest. And he was saying that he played a lot of the parts with his left foot instead of his right foot because he's still feeling it in his right foot. And I'm like, you can't, you don't notice. There's like no difference whatsoever. He's just a, a ridiculous player. It's similar to what I mentioned before with Destruction. A lot of times these bands need younger guys to come in and kind of pick up the torch. And not to say, I, I forget the name of the uh, drummer that they had in between a phenomenal guy as well i mean i didn't think they could top that guy as a player and and eloy comes in and he's even better so again a band that knows how to really fill in the holes and and really move forward so um number seven ah slayer Ed, obviously I need to go to you because they were your top pick. Yeah, that kind of hurts. I thought I'd at least see them at number two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of need you to do a whole separate two-hour Slayer episode to accept all the commentary I have about that band. <laughs> well, so I'll, uh, we can, I'll we can comment and try not to take up all the time. Uh, but yeah, I love this band. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't discover them until Rain and Blood came out. I mm -hmm. read something in a magazine about them and uh, Peace Cells, and I went to the uh, record store at the mall. And it, having never heard it, I bought Rain and Blood on vinyl, cassette, and CD. Huh. And um, I bought that on a night that I was with a friend of mine, right before we were going to a youth Bible group. At my youth pastor's house. So while everybody was going into my youth pastor's house, I stayed in my friend's car and put on, I remember putting on that uh, Megadeth and hearing Wake Up Dead for the first time. Right. And I played a little bit of that Slayer. And my life uh, changed from that moment on. The sound of Slayer uh, connected with me 
so deeply, you know, because I was such an angry kid at that time that the <laughs> sound and the lyrics of Slayer uh, just, yeah, connected with all those emotions that I had at that at that time in my life. And it's been that band has been one of my best friends my whole life through. You know, anytime right. you need to deal with something, you can put on a Slayer record, no matter how dark what you're going through, and uh, they'll help you get through it. They're, they're helping you process, you know, those dark emotions because they're music. You know, a lot of people like to say they're satanic, but they're mm -hmm. not. They're just they're writing the scariest songs of all, which is writing songs of, that uh, talk about the darkness of the heart of man. Which can be the most frightening story of all, mm -hmm. even more scary than singing about Satan and demons and such. Right. Uh, talking about the evil that men can do to each other. There's no frighten. There's no more frightening story to tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I better stop because I'll go on and on and on about Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all have that band that we have that sort of connection to, which is what makes music so powerful that we have a band or an album or songs or whatever that. When things get tough, we turn to that band those words those riffs those beats you know um that's why i think people make the mistake of well you know the new album isn't as good as rain and blood well it's not supposed to you know it's 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 supposed to be something else that you add to that playlist that you have by that band you know it isn't supposed to the newest album isn't supposed to replace anything if it does that then great but if not doesn't mean you can't enjoy something because it isn't rain and blood. I think that's the most asinine thing that people can do. They limit themselves to a lot of good music as a result, you know? So and I'll also say that I'm not surprised either that it's at nine at uh, number seven. seven because Slayer is an acquired taste. There's a lot of genuine metalheads that don't like Slayer. A lot of my mm -hmm. friend group didn't like Slayer. Some of them kind of came around as time right. went on and they put out some different kinds of records, but yeah, I'm never surprised when someone likes metal, but they don't like Slayer. I hear that a lot. Who yeah, is that? I, I was one of them because I didn't put them in my top 10. Uh, I've never been a fan of them, but you know, I appreciate what you're saying about. Them. Yeah. I've yeah. seen Sl Slayer many times throughout the years, intentionally and unintentionally. Around in California, they would open up for a lot of bands, and then I'd go see them on purpose. But I have to say, the OzFest, the first time they did it in Devore, San Bernardino, California, um, it was in October. It was kind of that little bit of chill in the air. There was the wind blowing. They had the fog machine going, and their Slayer awesome. dominating, and it was awesome. I mean, it was better than Ozzy and anybody yeah. else. Uh, it Our was so cool. Awesome. Who else wants to mention something about Slayer? Just that I'm very surprised at how low they are. <laughs> I would have thought I would have thought number two. Yeah. Mm. This is this is going to be the uh, creator of the uh, second hour. It will. Yeah. 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 Um, Johan, anything you want to say about Slayer? Yeah, I'm not uh, the biggest Slayer fan, but I bought uh, Decade of Aggression when it came out. 
Uh, and uh, that's a great album and a great uh, mix. What, what do you say? A, a, a compli, compilation, compilation, yeah, compilation of, of the band. Uh, so uh, sure, great. I've seen them many, many times. Uh, the one thing I, if you want to see something bad about Slayer is. Uh, when they go out on stage, they play like almost like robots. They don't care about the audience. They just play. Uh, I I know I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but that's how I feel about them. But the last time they played on their farewell tour, that was the best time I've ever seen them. Because they connected with the audience and they uh, they were there, uh, like they, they never used to be before. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. If you could understand my bad English. No, yeah. no, absolutely understand one hundred percent. And you could say mix instead of compilation; people will understand. So, um, does Slayer come back? No. I don't think Tom's going to do it. And it won't be Slayer without Tom, no matter what anybody says. Yeah. Does does Carrie have enough staying power to go out under his name, or does he have to put a band together with a bunch of all-stars for it to make a dent? Not to do arenas. He could do clubs. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think. I, you know, I mean, was, go ahead, Ed. There was that rumor of him doing something with Phil and Gary and maybe Paul on right. drums, but I've always hoped maybe they'd do something like that and let's hear what, what they come up with. Well, that would we'll be see. the thing to do. Just put a new band together and just yeah. almost yeah. start again. Yeah. Would they have an issue, though, where they would have to play Slayer songs, though? I'm not sure. They, uh, sure they would. And we've, that would be fine. Well, we, we will see. We'll see if the money uh, doesn't matter. Because <laughs> I know, again, Kerry seemed like he was kind of jonesing or saying that uh, they ended too soon. But uh, we'll see. We'll see in the next few years. Number six, a band that was away for uh, quite some time came back, and I think they probably came back stronger than ever. And I'm imagining I'm going to see um, Metal Dan's chair go empty in a second. <laughs> nice. Death Angel at six. Um, Dan, I think you're the person that I've spoken to the most about death angel via the uh trivia show and and other things uh you said that you've seen them quite a bit over the years you even said that you got to see the organization if i'm not mistaken um tell us what death angel means to you yeah i mean at one point it seemed like the band was dead if you review their history they had some some issues and that's where the organization came in and 
they they just haven't hit the popularity that they should. Um, right. I've seen them many times, and they're just they're great. I, I'm not sure what else to say about it. Um, memorable performances in small clubs and just dominating kicking ass. Everybody contributes, and everybody looks to the fans and they work the crowd. They're they're great. Yeah, I I got to see them first at a festival, and I think that they kind of stole the show that day that they were at it because at least for me, because I didn't expect them to be as good as they were live. They were dead on with everything. And this was the first album or may have been the second one. Um, No, it was killing season. It just come out and they were playing songs off of that album. And, and I was like, okay, I've, Listen to this song, you know, I've kind of glossed over it, but now I need to really pay attention to this album. I mean, this song, this album has a lot of really good stuff on it, you know. Um, Whether it's Dethroned or Buried Alive or The Noose or uh, just ridiculous uh, how, how good this album is and how good a lot of the stuff is that's come out after. Obviously, Mark and Rob are the... Uh, two guys that are left from the original band, but again, a band that I think that has filled the slots with people who have known how to, you know, contribute and take the band to, uh, to maintain and even take the band to another level in, in my opinion. Um, but anyone else want to comment on death angel? Yeah. I, yeah, I really like them. Um, uh, it was actually Mark on Talking Metal that turned me on to them about sort of three or four years ago, and I bought uh, Humanicide. Uh, I really like that. Uh, I went back and listened to some of the older stuff, and it was, uh, you know, really good, really enjoyed it. Um, and I saw them live as well. And they're a really good live act. Yeah, really good. Um, you know, they're one of the sort of smaller thrash bands, you know, they were supporting Testament. Um, came on first, I think, out of the four bands that were on. Um, but they put on a really good show. And, um, yeah, I think they, they deserve to be where they are. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, anyone else? I remember buying the Ultraviolence. It's based on the album cover. Right. And uh, I saw them on their second tour. I didn't like that second record as much. But I remember it had that uh, Kiss cover that everybody liked. Didn't they do Cold Gin? Cold Gin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when they did their uh, third record, we uh, we all listened to that a lot. And, you know, they've never really put out a bad record since they've come back. Yeah, and that's interesting because with Act 3, they took a lot of chances. It's funny mm-hmm. because they're the one band that, um, a room with a view was one of their singles, and that was for all intents and purposes a ballad, mm-hmm. you know. And it wasn't the same as like people quickly jumped on, let's say, Anthrax for Black Lodge and saying, Oh, they're only doing this because Metallica did The Unforgiven, you know. Death Angel didn't kind of receive that same type of backlash, I feel at least I didn't hear it for, for a track like that because I think it was seen more in the vein of, um, I don't know, of maybe something more classic, like maybe like Ozzy or something like that, or maybe even like Black Sabbath-y, 
although it's got that crunchy middle section. Um, it was acoustic and it was different. It was different to what other bands were even doing with their ballads at the time. So I think it was, it was great. They were taking chances and, you know, that's unfortunately when the band splintered, uh, because this little band called Iron Maiden was looking for a lead singer and, uh, Mark went and tried out and the rest of the band found out and, and that kind of led to that is Dan, am I? messing that up or I don't have the exact history of everything, but it's just, they took a break and, but yeah. thankfully they came back. There was a, uh, a reunion of a bunch of other bands for some type of an event. And they didn't think that they were going to have any popularity left any longer. And they turned out to be great. And they said, they're great. Let's keep, let's do this again. Let's keep going. But you know, I, I think, go ahead. But the ultimate reason they, disbanded was because of that accident they had on That's that it. tour wasn't it yeah yeah what uh, i'm ignorant to this what what happened on that tour well they were on and correct me anybody if i'm getting my info wrong weren't they on that clash of titans tour and they were in some kind of accident that was pretty major and uh then they ended up getting replaced by another band that i can't remember now but after that, we never heard from Death Angel again until several years later. It right. was a surprise when they came back and good to hear a good album from them. That's correct. That's how I heard it. Okay. Then I know that he tried out for Iron Maiden, but it looks like I am. Yeah. So uh, following, let's see. Alice in Chains. Wasn't that the one that got on the Clash? of titans tour because death angel had to stop playing yeah from what from what wikipedia is saying is it was they were on tour with annihilator and judas priest supporting the painkiller tour so it's the tour that johan saw because Uh they were replaced by pantera okay yeah good thing you looked that up i'm telling a different story well i told one completely different as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll get there together somehow. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, yeah, it says, following the accident, Geffen Records and the band's manager persuaded the group to hire another drummer and immediately go back to work. The band performed a few shows with drummer Chris Kantos in Japan, who was known for Machine Head, and he's from the same general area as them, who's now played in like a million Bay Area bands. Um, uh, but when they declined to hire a long-term drum, uh, long-term replacement, Geffen Records dropped them. And it said that uh, Mark left the band, moved to New York to pursue life outside of music, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I guess I'm mixing that up. I could have swore that uh, he had tried out for Maiden and that uh, there was an issue with that. But... Um, uh, and no, looks like I'm fucking that up as well. He was invited to audition for Anthrax after Joey was gone. So. Yeah, I am reading here, too, that uh, Alice in Chains ended up playing on that tour instead of Death Angel because of that accident. So maybe, you know, like they never even got to play on that tour. They were supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think we're getting uh, all all of those facts are true. 
We just got to get them in the right order. Right order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, yes. So they were supposed to have the opening slot, but ultimately replaced by Allison Chains. So, all right. So we're, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really hurt that band at that time. I think yeah. that was a big, big bummer for them. And just think of that. What a, what a big deal that was for Allison Chains, who you know, I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize that that really introduced them audience who probably wouldn't not wanting to like the band out there loving the band. I mean, you listen to any of those, any of the other bands that were part of that tour, they all talk about how great Allison Chains fit in at the end of the day, regardless how much shit they, they took the fans. So all right. Mark's dog is here. So on to number five. <laughs> on to side joke. Yeah. That's my dog. I'm sorry about that. No, that's that's Regal's dog. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> now there's no UPS guy at the door. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 